Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. Welcome to episode 15 of season two. It's been quite the journey. Uh, we've got your questions in, and I think without further ado, we'll jump in. But how you doing, Dad? You yeah, we should, well, we should yeah, have we, a we little... We usually have a little greeting. Hello. We have have been talking beforehand, so it's yeah, we're, we're pretty much over-greeted at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm time. good, and uh, things are going well. Busy doing stuff, and... Weekends have been going well, so we're happy about that. And trying to keep people safe and, bit, you know, keeping socially distanced here. And yet at the same time, you know, a few more folks showing up. So yeah. it's all good. It's a fun balance to yeah, try yeah. to hold. Kind of, so, um, kind of interesting. There's still plenty of room. We're very fortunate here in that we have a, you know, for us, we have a pretty big facility. So And really one of the trends that I've noticed is the four services are equaling out. You know, right. I mean, 930 is still probably the busiest of right. the four, as it always has been. But, like, there, it seems like there's a fuller room on some of those slower services right. now. Yeah. Or at least more equal to the, you know, yeah. the busier services. Yeah. So. so people are finding their spot and way back and winter folks are back and. It's been good, so uh, we're uh, we're having a busy January, and it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, now without further ado. Now, no more, because we, we did some ado there. Yeah, that was that was. You get a little ado, not too yeah, much ado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do some more ado at the end. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always just a little bit. But anyway, first question, and there's some good questions this week. We know that people were drawn to Jesus for how he loved, but we also know that some of the attention he received was not positive, like we find in Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. Can we also expect to receive both positive and negative attention from others, even when we try to reflect God's love into the world? Yes, absolutely. Yes, you can. And the, you know, the the verse that is there is the Pharisees were plotting how to kill Jesus. So, you know, the Pharisees, interesting group of folks, and it's kind of easy to write them off. It's just all bad. But, uh, you know, the Pharisees started couple hundred years before jesus and really what they wanted my phone almost going off uh what they wanted to do was um protect torah from being you know um well i'm going to say hellenized but what that means is that the greek culture was very strong and so they they wanted to uh protect it and and so they had fairly noble intentions when they started but the way they did that was kept adding rules and rules and rules and rules and rules well they're pretty well established by the time Jesus came, and they liked their established position. And they saw Jesus as a threat to that. So they were still, they were always drawn to him, which is fascinating, but, and even believed. That's, you know, the, the saddest part is they, they knew that this stuff, it had to be God. They, you know, they tried to blame it on the enemy and stuff, but they had pretty figured out this was had to be God. But they decided they didn't, because they didn't like the package, they weren't going to have anything to do with it. And, uh... And so they, they decided, you know, they were going to have to get rid of Jesus. That's how it was all going to end up. So, uh, you know, stirred up by the enemy, all those things happening. Um, but, yeah, as you walk this thing out for Jesus, you you will, you know, have an impact in, in good ways. And, and people respond to that. And they're also going to respond to it negatively um, for lots of reasons. Just some people are, you can't please everybody. Some people are... Um, you know, just bitter towards Jesus or the church or people of the church. Um, and there's a lot of those reasons. And also there's a difference, too. Some people get persecuted and they they face persecution. And they it's not so much because they're following Jesus. It's because they're they're doing it in a way that lacks humility a lot of times. 
and it gets people stirred up and they go, well, I'm being persecuted. And, and uh, you know, not always. Sometimes we're just not loving the way Jesus really would have. And so we need to be careful of that. But yes, even if you're doing it well, um, uh, you can almost guarantee that you're going you're gonna to run up against it. And uh, that's just part of the way that the whole thing works. And Jesus prepared us for that and said, you know, hey, these things are going to happen. So um, good question. But yeah, we should be prepared for um, people to respond in both ways, very positively, very negatively. And even though someone responds negatively at first, doesn't mean that they can't be changed in one over over time. And in fact, I see that happen quite often. So Awesome. Great response. Thank you for that question. Next one. This is a question from this person's daily reading. At the end of John's Gospel, when he is describing what is found in the empty tomb, is there significance in the burial head covering being folded separate from the rest of the burial clothes? It made them curious that its placement was specifically noted while seeming so innocuous. Uh, yeah, that gets talked about quite a bit. Um, and there's been a thing going around for the last 10, 15 years on the Internet about uh, that, that sometimes that, that head covering is translated different ways. And in a few of the translations, it's actually translated uh, napkin. And that the, some people have said, oh, there's this Jewish custom where if the napkin was folded at the end of the meal, it meant they were coming back. Um, and while that's a great story and, and certainly a nice illustration, it doesn't seem to be founded in Jewish culture anywhere or in biblical stories. So you may read that and think, oh, that's great. Look, that's what's going on. Um, not necessarily. So could it mean something? Yeah, it could. Do we know what it means? Not really. You know, we, we don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I think to me the biggest thing is, you know, the, the burial clothes all sitting there. When Jesus defeated death and rose again, he was kind of like, you know, I don't need these anymore. I'm not ever going to need them again. Um, and, and so there's probably some significance in that. But, uh, yeah, I don't think so. But it's a good catch, and a lot of people have wanted to try and make that something. But I, I don't think it um, really stands up when you dig into it, that illustration. And so now a lot of people who love that illustration, I just said, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a nice illustration, but I don't think that it really stands up very well. So, um so there you go. But good catch and a way to read the scripture and pick up things. Yeah. And, and like I said, there's probably something there, but it's hard to tell what it is. Awesome. All right. Next one. In 1 Timothy 2.12, it says, and this is going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to answering this. But I per permit not a woman to teach, woman to teach, I'm going to guess grammatically, nor to have authority over a man, but to be in quietness. I have watched a couple different videos, this person saying, on YouTube, where people still believe this is true today. What is the outcome of this verse for women today? Or in other words, how can they better understand what Paul means? Yeah. So, uh, um, that a, a lot of people, there's a big, a significant part of the church that still believe that's very true for today. Um, and that uh, it... it you, you certainly need to de do some research in that area. Um, it's going to be, you know, I tell you all the time, there are going to be some things that we're going to have to not agree on. And it's not a main thing. Uh, and, uh, and, and although this is very significant, obviously, for women, um, and what Paul was trying to say, and, you know, uh, you have to hold it in context with the whole of Scripture. And obviously, 
the whole of Scripture says there's there is no male or female Jew or Greek, uh, you know, uh, slave or free. We're all one in Christ. So there's not a uh, it, there is not a one is higher than the other, or one is more superior to the other kind of situation. So that has to be dealt with, and and a lot of times that gets read into the Bible. But um, women in in uh, in Jewish and Christian uh, places in the Bible are honored, esteemed, and have great positions of authority throughout the Scripture. So um, we need to be make sure that we're aware of that. What was Paul saying, and why in in Corinthians? And um, the issue is really—I know that's coming from Second Timothy—but um, the the issue is in Corinth. Uh, I think in First Corinthians fourteen. Uh, and, you know, uh, Timothy helped Paul to deal with Corinth, uh, which was a big problem area. And uh, and so he's, um, he, I think he's backing that up with what he's saying there uh, and what's going on. And there was an issue in the Corinth, Corinthian church um, where uh, uh, there was a lot of things that weren't the way they were supposed to be. There was a lot of chaos and disorder. And culturally, here's, a, here's a, one example because uh, it still goes on culture in a lot of these countries. Uh, even, and so it was happening even at church, in the early church, is that the men would sit on one side of the room and the women would sit on the other. And uh, sometimes it, the, the, who's ever speaking may have been speaking in a more formal language than everybody understood. Uh, and it would be normal at that time for the men to know more languages than perhaps the women. And, and, and so the speaker might have been speaking. The men may have understood it. The women may not. The, the women may have been asking their husbands what was going on across the room and causing some chaos. And, and that was the whole stop speaking at church, ask your husbands when you go home, what was going on sort of statement in Corinthians. Um, and then when you read the, uh, the account in Second Timothy, or First Timothy chapter 2, uh, it's... It, you, then you start weaving in the other argument about authority and where authority to certain to do certain things lies, and how does that look? And they bring in the whole Adam and Eve thing, and who was deceived? And you know, at, at that point, people would go, "Well, Eve was deceived, but you know, Adam should have covered it and shouldn't have gone along with it." So he's he's there's an issue there. So there's a lot of issues in play. What you need to know, though, what I think happens is that Paul is very. Um, uh, encouraging of women in leadership roles, and you'll see him do that. And and he he partnered with many women uh, in in what he did, uh, and so um, they are esteemed and lifted up in many of his letters. Uh, and you can read. Um, I was reading this morning. I think I made a note of it. Where is it in Romans chapter sixteen, verse one? Is a big greeting to Phoebe, who was a deaconess, which is authority. And then in verse 7, there's another um, thing that's very interesting, um, and, and it's, it talks about Junius um, and, and uh, being considered among the apostles. And Junius, it's very hard to rule that out as not being a female name. Um, there, and you can go in, you can do a lot of studies on that. But it looks like Junius was a female, was counted among the apostles. Now, the early apostles were considered to be those people who had seen resurrected Jesus, but there was also, you know, other stuff that went along with that. So um, I think that that um, 
women have uh, always been a, a huge part of the church and will continue to be. There are many countries right now where women are absolutely taking the, the lead in things. I'm thinking of the church in Iran right now, which is, um, you know, totally underground, but is flourishing. And it's mostly because of um, uh, some uh, a huge group of women leaders who have had encounters with Jesus and are teaching the word, and it's making a huge difference. Um, you, you won't hear about that much yet, but we get reports back on things that are happening in, in those areas of the country. So, um, you know, how do I answer that? Yeah, there's going to be parts of the church that still believe that what First Timothy 2 uh, says is that women aren't allowed to teach a man, and um, men will just not submit to it. Uh, and uh, it happens. And then there's a, the big chunk of the church that doesn't believe that's what Paul was trying to get at. So um, you, you're just going to encounter that in different places depending on where you're at. But, you know, let me say, I want to encourage you. You press in. You be everything Jesus wants you to be. Uh, you know, and you you go after the ministries that God has called you to. And you do them with all your heart. And that's what matters. Remember, it's all about you, you plugging in and doing what Jesus wants you to do. And, and stepping into that situation. So that, that kind of answers it without... And, and there are reasons for both sides of that argument, and I'm aware of that. So people have to sort of... That's one of those things you have to study and come to and figure out and sort of press into. But I... I uh, and I bless you. You do what Jesus is calling you to. Awesome. Uh, next one. I've always found Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28 puzzling. Uh, this is this person saying it. Especially verse 24. Jesus seems to have changed his mind by verse 28. And could you please explain that story? Okay. I have the verses here. You have the verses. So, like, he sends me the notes to feed him, and I never get the verses. Otherwise, I would read them. But I don't, I don't have them in front of me, so you go ahead. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. So, um, yeah, that's quite an encounter. A lot of people get stirred up by that because Jesus seems to not be very nice there. And uh, so, so Jesus, when he came, he did have a task. And he was sent to the people of Israel first. Um, because that was how the whole story had worked out. If you me through the whole story, you know that was a story. You know, ultimately, all the nations are going to be blessed through Abram and everything that happens. But Jesus was sent first to the people of Israel who had wandered off, and he preached to them the kingdom. Um, and yet, you can see also in here his heart for the whole world and for the Gentiles. But he did have mission. And, and like when he first sends out the disciples, he says, stay out of the towns of the Gentiles. You're going to go to the lost tribes of Israel. Um, there was something in this that, that needed to take in Israel and give them the, an opportunity, and then it was going to go into all of the nations. And there's also, you know, it's a picture of faith here. And, and uh, uh, she had great faith. She kept pressing in to Jesus. And, you know, 
we need to have that too. We need to keep pressing in um, in the midst of situations. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just, you know, walk, oh, well. But we keep pressing and pressing and pressing. And, and uh, uh, that's how, you know, he, he expects us to do it. And that's why he said she had great faith because he, she kept pressing in. And then, you know, he, he granted her request. So uh, opportunities there, you know, to look at the text, ultimately see the heart of Jesus is for everybody. Um, that he did have a specific task when he first came, and he was staying on task. Uh, and um, and yet there was room as, you know, this story developed to make room for a bigger picture, which was great. And uh, you sort of see all that moving through that passage. But it's a fascinating passage and uh, very cool. Awesome. Next one. Uh, when we do the works of the flesh, we distress and grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Why doesn't he just convict us immediately and tell us to stop? Do you think he teaches us through suffering? Does the entire body suffer when one person sins? Um, that reminded me briefly of the Bob Newhart skit from it. Mad TV. Yeah. He's a counselor, and then people come in with problems. He's like, well, stop. So, like, why doesn't the Holy Spirit just do that? <laughs> well, I, so here's my thing. I think the Holy Spirit does do that. I think we don't listen. <laughs> We're terrible listeners, aren't we? <laughs> Especially when we want what we want. Yeah. You know, uh, normally we we are absolutely aware that we're moving in a wrong direction and we're just moving past everything that would stop it because at that moment we want what we want. And and so I think he's absolutely always helping us, empowering us. And we say, no, we're going to do what we want. That's that's nature. That's sin nature. Um, uh, does he teach us? So I, Sure, I think we learn a lot through suffering. Is, does he cause it? I, you know, don't don't go to that. Make sure you're not. That's not what you're saying. Does he use? Absolutely, suffering is used throughout Scripture as a way of um, God. God uses it. Don't go with causes it. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're suffering is because we make terrible choices, and we live in a fallen world, and sometimes other people's choices, and those are the hardest ones. I, we can almost understand when it's us who've done something and there's consequences, but. When someone else does something and we're suffering, that we have really we struggle with that. That doesn't seem right or fair. Can God use it? He does use it. He uses it all the time um, because He's God. And the Scripture says he, he He works all things together for good. He can take whatever and use it for our good and and developing us and in us growing. And you know that's the thing. I I think oftentimes when we've when we've sinned, we've done something that we're not supposed to do. The consequence gets our attention and it makes us realize we don't want to do that again. Uh, and and so you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about that this weekend. You know, reaping and sowing and how that sort of works. Next question: How have you dealt with friend or family rejections because of your taking a stand for Christ? Speaking to you, you know, that, I, and I was touches another question earlier about being persecuted. Um, we're going to face some of it. I have faced in my family, uh, you know, over time, some um, pushback and rejection from people. Um, you know, uh, parts of our family, when we first got saved, sort of mocked us and made fun of us. Um, and that was part of the deal. I, um, interesting part of that story, though, the two who were the worst at that both ended up coming to Jesus. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So, you know, um, we just tried to do our best, love them well, um, not be offended by it. Uh, I, 
I was listening to something Phil Strout said this week, and uh, he's the national director of the Vineyard. He's a good guy. He was, he was just talking for a few minutes. And he said, with everything that's going on in the world right now and all the stress is happening, and I love this. He said, you know, you don't have to swing at every pitch. And uh, I love that picture because there's going to be lots of opportunity. People are pitching at you all the time, and there are lots of opportunities to respond in ways that you shouldn't. But you don't have to. You don't have to swing at every pitch. And so a lot of times with family and friends, um, you, you don't have to respond. You don't have to swing at every pitch. But... Also make sure, and I said this earlier too, that the things that we're, we're catching flack for, let's make sure that's where Jesus wants us to stand. And not that we haven't taken a, a stand that he didn't expect us to take or need us to take. And so there is, you know, those, those things are different and we need to be aware of those things. So I have done both. I've caught in flack sometimes for probably pressing in where I, I didn't need to. And then I've caught in flight just for loving people well and for them not liking it or not going. And just continue to love people the best you can. You know, the, one of the things, too, I found about faith, my, sharing my faith. Um, and it's, uh, it's much easier, I think, to share your faith outside your family. Um, but, but we're called to do it. You know, it starts in the house, right? Um, but I have found that the best opportunities for me to do that have always come when they ask me. And so um, to get the ask generally requires a lot of living rightly and loving well and then praying for the ask so that then you can respond. And that's much better received than just trying to, uh, at least in my case, every time I've tried to force it on people, um, it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, or continue to make it the focus when they don't want it to be. And, And if I continue to make it the focus when they don't want it to be, what they do is, I get, I could be isolated out of that whole situation because that's not what they want to deal with. So you love well, you encourage well, you wait for opportunities, you pray for opportunities, and and you wait until God gives them to you, and then you press in. And yeah, sometimes you're gonna, it's a it's a whole thing. You know, Jesus said, hey, he warned us about that with families and everything. You, if you follow me, it's going to cause some some issues for you, and that just needs to be understood. But. He's faithful, and you continue to press in and pray for people. Good question. Very good question. All right, we've got a couple more. Uh, here's a good one. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the first work of the flesh Paul described was sexual immorality. To contrast this, the first fruit of the Spirit that he listed in verse 22 was love. Based off of his description of what love actually is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, we all know that passage, uh, they're reaching to say that the order he chose to contrast the two is intentional. Like, they, they, I guess they're wondering if he did that intentionally or... Yeah, yeah 1 Corinthians 13, you guys all know, love is patient, love Love's is kind, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't yep. boast, isn't proud, isn't rude, isn't self-seeking, all that. All right. It was at everybody's wedding who's been married yeah. or will be married. So, um, you know, perhaps, but I... Uh, more likely, if that was the actual case, then they would all course, sort of correspond, and I don't believe that they do. Um, and, and so you do see that in Scripture. There's a name for it that I'm not getting at the moment in my brain, but when, when Scripture does that, it says something and then kind of says it backwards and says it again. Um, and, and yet it could be. I mean, it's a good pickup. The, you know, the, the sexual immorality stuff, what, what the problem is that the enemy has taken something that God intended to be a wonderful, joyous thing between a husband and wife, and the enemy has twisted it, and it's now something else, completely something else. Um, 
And so, you know, that's the, the sexual immoral, immorality part and what's going on with that. So, so that's kind of the issue that we have there and, and uh, what's taking place. So, you know, the, the, um, I think when you see those things, yeah, absolutely, it could be something. And, and it's, it's, it's a good connection. They, they're very much opposites. But, um, you know, is it absolute? I'm not sure that it's an absolute thing. So... There's a delivery. Looks like he left it by the door. That happens to us. Like we'll get a couple of deliveries. So I just texted uh, Kurt, who's producing today's recording, to go look. But I think just got left by the door. So good. This would be a terrible place to pause too, because we got one question left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, on. Yeah, we're gonna do uh, last one. What is the significance of Jesus giving Peter the keys of the kingdom in Matthew 16? And what are they apart from uh, Keys Vineyard? They added a little pun there. Yeah. And maybe Kurt could go over by the front entrance and check on that delivery for us. No. Since he can, and we can talk he, about this stuff. Because just run in front of the camera. They all yeah, there we go. All right, so great question. The keys of the kingdom in Matthew 16. And uh, Matthew 16, 19 is actually where that verse is. Let me see. Let me read it. Uh, Jesus, Peter has just figured out who Jesus is. He's just, you know, he's made, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. Um, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is heaven. I tell you, you're Peter on this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's that's the reference. So, but you know what? Firstly, keys. So keys are used to open doors, right? That's the whole thing. And the locked doors, but they're used to open doors. And and I think um, Jesus here is kind of laying the foundation of the church, what it's going to look like, and and um, the disciples are going to be the leaders of this new thing that's happening, the church. And in effect, he's giving them authority uh, to in, invite the world to uh, open the doors for to invite the world to open the kingdom of heaven. And, um, you know, we, we know how that happens, right? You, you, you enter in by asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, you, you, it's not going to happen. And um, so you, you understand that dynamic. Um, but, but the keys are that he's sort of giving the authority that he's had. He's giving that to the church to help people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and to find their way in um, to the reconciled life that we have. I think it's significant, too, that he's primarily addressing Peter there um, because of what happens in Peter's early life in the book of Acts. And um, Peter is actually, in the book of Acts, you see him opening doors for three separate groups of people um, which is very cool. Uh, the first is, you know, at Pentecost, and he's opening the the doors there to the people in Jerusalem, and, and um, several thousand Jewish people are saved on that day at least, uh, and and so there's there's the door open for the Jewish people, and then if you read on Acts eight, he's there and he opens the door for the Samaritans, uh, which is a whole other people group. You know, it's kind of a mix of, of Jewish and Gentile, the Samaritans, and. and um, and so he preaches and, and, you know, the doors are open to them. And then in Acts 10, uh, he's in a Gentile's home and he preaches and opens the door for them too. So I, I think it's very significant that those things happen together. And it's a picture of the, the gates, you know, the doors being opened so that people could receive the gospel and they could come to know Jesus and be reconciled to God. And, and uh, so the, the keys that Peter had there, each one of them worked. And uh, I think it's a pretty significant thing. So has a lot to do with that 
and and what that looks like. Are there other meetings in there? There could be a lot of other meetings in there. It's a great study, um, and and you could find a lot of different ideas about that and about what binding and loosing is and what that means and what's that related to and is that all spiritual warfare stuff or is it more to do with forgiveness and how all those things tie together. So you know, it's some great. Um, there's some great areas for study here, but but mostly I would say those keys that, that they're given they're they're given us to open to present the gospel the good news that's what people need to hear and respond to, in in order to be reconciled back to God and to um, be a part of His kingdom. Awesome, great questions. Thank you so much for submitting them via the Vine Press link on the website. Uh, if you haven't been able to do that, do it. You know, you can ask questions about your devotions, weekend sermon, and uh, that's all good. Yeah. So why don't you give us a little sneak peek into Keep in Step, part 10. Part 10, yeah, and this will be the last one. I'm wrap the series up here. Uh, that's a short series for you. Yeah, it was 10. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's some that take like half a year, so. Yeah. The next <laughs> one could be longer. But I don't know. Anyway, 10. Uh, it's a good, well, I'm at the end of Galatians, and it's a good place to stop, I think. And, you know, the whole series was me just encouraging people to read their Bibles and then sort of demonstrating how when you know the bigger story, what you're reading, you should be able to apply to your lives. And I've been trying to make applications out of chapters in Galatians, which we've done. And I'll review this weekend. Chapter 6 is basically, uh, it's about reaping and sowing, for one thing. So, to me, the whole chapter is about, now that you know all this stuff that we talked about, do it. You need to be doing these things. And and don't get weary and just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so we're going to look at that. I'll talk a little bit about reaping and sowing. You know, a lot of people want to reduce that to financial stuff. And it's a it's a God principle. Um, and, you know, Paul says if you... If you, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap things that you shouldn't. If you sow to the Spirit, that, that, that's what you want to be doing in, in your life. And it's, you know, which choice? Remember the list that I read you last week in, in Galatians 5? Which one are we going to be moving towards? And it's better to be moving towards the list of the fruit than it is to go in the other direction. Uh, and, so, and that will improve our life. And, and so, you know, um, it's all those things. A lot of people have, uh, they've asked me lately, you know, with all the stress in the country in particular, all the stuff that's happening, you know, what, how they're supposed to respond. And this is, this is what I tell people, and I think this will come out in Galatians 6 as well. Listen, here's, here's all I know how to do in all of this. Trust God, because God's God, and, you know, he's got us, right? So you need to trust him. And then just try and live every day in itself, live, you know, one day at a time. Live, live, live like that, and then most of you are going to know what I'm about to say. Here, do the next right thing. And that's going to keep you moving in the right direction and not all stressed out about things that you have no control over anyway. Um, and that just kind of, when you get all stressed out about this stuff, it steals life from you. Um, and when, you know, live, live, in, live in the moment. Live where you live. live uh, too many people, I want to be careful I say this. You need to, you need to live more in where you live and in what's going on right around you than living in what's happening outside of that. I don't mean we don't pay attention to that, but I mean live in, you know, it starts in this area. So look for life there. That's where you're going to find life. If you let this huge picture determine, you, you miss out on this life that's right around you. And this is the life, this life right around you, in your family, in your friends, in your community, right around you. That's the impact you're making on the kingdom. 
And if you allow this other stuff that's going on to be your focus, you don't have any impact here at all. And, and unfortunately, you don't have a whole lot of impact on this bigger thing. Um, you just, your impact is all very much around you. And so I watch people all the time. They've, they've gotten, they've forsaken this for, for up here and they lose this. You don't get, this is where life is. So, you know, love your family, love your friends. Um, don't swing at every pitch. Uh, enjoy it while you can, if you can. Because, you know, things happen. And, and have, so e- each day, and God is, you know, trust him. He's got, he's got the bigger picture. He's got us. Uh, and, you know, all the big people then, well, what if, what if, what if? You can't live in the what ifs. There's no life in the what if. What if? If it is, it is. What, you know, okay, we'll deal with it. But today, let's deal with today. Let's, let's figure out what, how God would use us today. Let's figure out how we can make a difference in our world today. And, um, uh, you know, for some people, I, I'm, call you, I'm calling you back. Get, step, you need to step back from some of these things and get way more engaged in these things uh, if you want to experience life. So, um, it's, again, not blinders. I get it that there's a bigger picture, but um, it's his bigger picture, and we don't grasp it very well if we're not living in, in the area that he has us. And so, you know, and he knows where he has you. Live there. Make a difference. Love well. Awesome. So uh, this weekend's worship set, I usually like to throw in, too, Please. right after you get the sermon, so you know what to expect for the weekend. Uh, we're starting with, it's one of my favorite songs to do, and uh, we did it at the last big fall festival we had called Only Way by Planet Shakers. Great, upbeat, starter song. Uh, after that, uh, Pastor Angie will be leading the song Rest On Us, uh, Upper Room. Brandon Lake wrote that. It's a great song. Uh, after that, we'll be doing The Blessing. Good. We haven't done that one in a few weeks, and uh, that's always a good one. I like that one. And then uh, we're ending with the new song we did last week, Getting Ready. That one is uh, by Maverick City. So Getting ready. Getting ready. Good. So with that said, get ready. We'll be here this weekend. God willing. It's going to be fun. I'm going to load up my switcher board. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Keep submitting your questions. Keep reading your Bible. And uh, we'll see you soon. Goodbye, Vineyard. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.